Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, Saving Babies and Souls, and Alliance Defending Freedom, defending the First Amendment rights of free speech and religious liberty. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on their banners to donate. And now here are your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Back with another week of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with all the guys, Neil, Roger, John, myself, Bob Duco. Guys, how are you? How was Christmas? Great. Wonderful. Loved Bob, it. How was your Thank week? you, Bob. Oh, just lovely. Thank you. So here we are coming up on the end of the year. And this week, everybody, on this episode, we're going to kind of have an end-of-year recap. We're going to explore all the things about 2022. We're going to look forward to 2023 as well, see what to expect there, explore some of the biggest stories in politics, some of the biggest stories in culture, some of the biggest stories uh, in the church. So how does 2022 go down in the history books? What are the headlines in culture, in politics, and in the body of Christ from the previous year. So let's just kind of go around the table, first of all, and just get some people. So, and, and I'll tell you what, we'll start with kind of politics, some of the biggest things in politics. We know that last week, the House Ways and Means Committee, the Democrats, they voted to go ahead and release, make public a summary of Donald Trump's tax returns Personally, no matter what you think of Donald Trump individually, I think that's despicable. That's a dangerous precedent. But my goodness, the the full frontal assault on all things Trump, uh, to me, has been a big part of 2022 also. Of course, the midterms and uh, Republicans taking back control of the House. But uh, let's kind of go around the table a little bit. And, and maybe politically, John, if we could start with you. Uh, what's your general takeaway from, you know, 20 years from now when somebody's like, hey, what was the big thing politically in 2022? What's going to come to mind? Um, Lots of things, of course. Uh, Some of the things that you just mentioned, which really quick on the tax return thing, I just wanted to mention really quick that, uh, and I'm sorry, I I just, I got to say this. The average person will be like a monkey reading a roadmap. And by the way, that even includes some folks that are probably higher up on the financial spectrum, bankers included. Mm-hmm. The majority of individuals have no idea what a tax return says, means, where you know what the numbers are, and so on. So releasing them, in my opinion, is, is nothing more than just fodder for the left. The average person will have no idea what's even in those things at all. And, and, and 2020, to me, just goes down as just a big foobah for the year. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, can I just say about the, the tax return things? The the Democrats would say, well, if he's got nothing to hide, what's the problem? That is an absolutely nonsensical argument, okay? Correct. So do we throw out HIPAA laws then, okay? Do, do you want your medical files released and made public? Well, no. well, if you have nothing to hide. No, this is uh, privacy matters in this country. Right. And the idea that they can use Trump in this way, and let's face it, they're just looking for a way to embarrass him and smear him. Uh, they will get their, their pundits to go on CNN and MSNBC to examine all of the various legal loopholes that he may have utilized in some of his companies. No, they're at, not loopholes, Bob. It's tax code. Okay. Well, I understand. I'm, I'm, when I say loopholes, unfortunately, without video, you don't see the finger quotes, but you're right, John. Uh, but it'll be, okay, well, these are legal 
legal things that he's allowed to do that are built into the tax code. He's allowed to defer these uh, payments or taxes. He's allowed to invest in this particular area. This particular company is allowed to have zero profits realized this year. I mean, in other words, the deductions that he does have already been approved and signed off by the IRS because this guy gets audited every single year. However, I guarantee you there's going to be some liberal lawyers who will go on CNN and say, this is not an acceptable deduction. This was overestimated. This was underestimated. And they're going to accuse him of tax fraud. And they're not going to report that, oh, by the way, the IRS attorneys already signed off on all this stuff. And these these are individuals, Bob, that, again, have no idea what they're talking about. This includes lawyers and even tax lawyers at times. I mean, unless you know exactly what's going on in that individual's business at that time while they were doing all of those things. It's always easy to come back and, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty sort of a thing. It's always easy to come back and be critical, but they weren't there at the time of the filings. And to your point, these have already been filed, done, handled, audited, enough said, move on. I know, exactly. And actually, because the tax return thing, I do think that this is a really big issue. I'd kind of like to get everybody's take on this as well and how serious this is, and then we can move into uh, the bigger stories of 2022. But Roger, let me ask you, Roger Marsh, of course, the bottom line, People's Republic of California. This to me is a a really horribly troubling precedent because where does it go now? The the U.S. government can just go ahead, the, the party in power can just decide to go ahead and release and make public tax returns of their political opponents. They know full well that they're just looking for something that they can use to spin to make Donald Trump look bad. They'll look at where he donated money and, hey, if he donated any money to pro-abortion groups, well, hey, we can use that to create a wedge between him and his conservative Christian base. We're going to look at what corporations of his maybe paid zero taxes in a particular year. So I just I find this disgusting that we can now do this to a private citizen, let alone a private citizen, Roger, who was the former president of the United States. You know, that's an excellent point. I mean, all of those points are so very well taken. And to John's point, too, about the average person not being able to understand tax returns. Let's face it, if we didn't have all these automated program things, we just punch this number here and whatever and calculating them, we wouldn't know we were doing either. I mean, the tax code has gotten so crazy. And there are how many hundreds of thousands of pages of it. There are a couple parts of this that are really disconcerting to me. First and foremost, you know, people would say, well, every year we hear, you know, the President Biden paid $100,000 in tax or this, that. So we, they were, they were forthright, but uh, Donald Trump never did that. Well, no, they're being, we're being told how much they paid in tax. We're not going through all the different itemized different things. And this is very, very, you know, sensitive information. Secondly, I'd love for our audience to just take a moment here and imagine if President Barack Obama or President George W. Bush were in office still and their daughters were, you know, the ages that they were when they were in office, which were minors, and these tax returns were released, who takes them as deductions on their federal tax returns? So their mm-hmm. names, their personal identification, all that right. is on those forms, That's right? right. That's Baron right. Trump's going to be doxxed because of this whole thing. I mean, and where's the outrage of that? Can you imagine if Malia and Sasha are going, oh, no, we can't do that because, well, they're minors and what? So where's the outrage? I mean, it's it's, the sensitive information that's going to be released for pure political theater is just, it's really repulsive. And Melania's too. You bring up a great point, uh, Roger. Melania's is on there as well. 
Exactly. Right. I mean, so this is this is way more than just saying, well, we want to know how much he paid in taxes. They're going to there's a lot of personal information you have to put on tax returns that's now going to be released to the public. And to Bob's point, anything they can get because orange man bad and anything that they can do to try to find something to drive a wedge because of the fact that, let's face it, Donald Trump is good for outrage business. It's good for fear mongering business. And this is like the the the. the buried treasure that they've been looking for. This is El Dorado, right. I guess. It is. Now, I, I will say that the Democrats are claiming that they're going to protect personal information by releasing a summary of these taxes. Now, well... <laughs> That's even worse. Yeah. You know, it actually really is. Uh, yeah. you're, you're right, John, because their summary is basically nothing more than we're going to do an Adam Schiff rewrite of what That's the transcript right. actually was. That's In this right. case, l- let's look through his taxes and let's come up with our own spin, our, our, our definition of what it is, and we'll call that our, quote, summary of it. So, Bob, uh, I have fought with numerous bankers this year on my own personal level on tax returns and what they mean. I can't imagine what this is going to be like with Donald Trump and the thousands of pages that are there. To your point, a rewrite isn't justifiable. It doesn't work. You can't do that. It, it, it really is not. And we want to get Neil's take on this, too, in just a moment. Before we do, though, you know, this end-of-the-year recap that we're going to be getting into here on this week's podcast, one of the things that I'd like to let you folks know about is what you were able to do through Preborn for this year. Because you hear us talk about Preborn every day, right? Preborn partners with pro-life pregnancy centers across the country to show ultrasound images of unborn babies to the expectant moms. And when those moms see an ultrasound image of their baby— It's the first time they've seen a picture of their baby, and they statistically choose life 83% of the time. And that's why we ask you to give to Preborn to save babies' lives. But do you know, through 2022, Preborn is on pace to have saved in the neighborhood of 50,000 babies' lives, stopping 50,000 abortions, and along the way, pushing 10,000 Decisions for Jesus Christ among those moms. This is a tremendous organization, folks, but it takes money to stop these abortions. It takes money to show ultrasound images. And that's why we're asking all of you listening right now, coming up on the end of the year, look, you still got time for a tax write off for 2022. How about giving some money to preborn and stop some more abortions? $28 is the average cost that it takes to stop one abortion to save one baby's life. So here's what I'm asking of you. Would you right now give $280 and stop 10 abortions? $2,800, stop 100 abortions. I don't know how many abortions you can afford to stop. I don't know how many babies' lives you can afford to save. But 280 will save 10 babies' lives. 2,800 will save 100 babies' lives. And listen, if you're a business owner or if God's blessed you financially, we need some of you out there to buy ultrasound machines. An ultrasound machine costs $15,000, and you're going to be responsible for stopping literally thousands and thousands of abortions. So what do you say? Would you do $15,000 right now? And for the rest of everybody else, $28 times however many babies' lives you can save. And here's how easy it is. Just go online right now to crawfordmediagroup.net and click on the preborn tab. You'll see crawfordmediagroup.net Click on Preborn. You can give right there. If you'd like to donate over the phone, they answer the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So you can call right now. Uh, It's 833-850-BABY, 
833-850-BABY. Let's save these babies' lives, huh? Coming up on the end of the year, what a great legacy for you and your family or your business. So it's preborn, everybody. So we continue this National Crawford Roundtable podcast talking right now about the House Ways and Means Committee, the Democrats voting to release and make public a summary of Donald Trump's personal tax records, as well as the tax records of some of his businesses. Wow, this is staggering. Uh, Getting your thoughts on this before we get into a larger discussion of a 2022 recap. Neil uh, Neil Boron, Neil Boron live out of Buffalo, New York. Just some of your thoughts on this, regardless of what we may personally think of Donald Trump, uh, that is irrelevant. This is a private citizen and not just any private citizen. It's a private citizen who's a former president of the United States. And not only do they send a couple of dozen FBI agents armed to raid his personal home, Mar-a-Lago, which was way over the top. Now, to do something like this, to make this public in an effort to try to smear him, embarrass him, or create a fishing expedition for people to pick through his IRS returns like a dead carcass, to me, this is chilling that this can happen in the United States of America, Neil. Well, yeah, and that's the point. It sets an incredible precedent for where we go from here. I mean, like, how far how far will we go? You know, invading people's personal privacy for the sake of political gain. Uh, And by the way, uh, I don't have a lot to add to this based on what you guys previously said. It's unprecedented. It's horrific. Uh, It exposes his own children, you know, unless they somehow uh, redact that kind of information. But the point is, um, you got, I mean, just think about some of the things that have happened to Donald Trump. Uh, ever since winning the 2016 election against uh, Hillary Clinton. You know, the two impeachment proceedings while he was serving as president of the United States, you got the raid at Mar-a-Lago, concerns about classified documents, uh, the tax documents now released, um, going after his personal business, uh, January 6th committee, of course. We talked a little bit about that on the last, in our last Mm -hmm. conversation, I believe. I don't remember, maybe it was two podcasts ago. But the reality is... um, it, it's relentless. Uh, they're going after Donald Trump to try to uh, paint him as the worst enemy of the United States of America and associate, by the way, all Republicans and or conservatives with him and his ideology. So it's a coordinated effort between the mainstream media, big tech, the Democrats, and any others who are Trump haters to really paint all of us with that broad brush. I mean, yes, Donald Trump gets the brunt of this kind of thing. But ultimately, this is an attempt to discredit anybody who thinks conservatively or who agrees with the idea that we need to drain the swamp in Washington, D.C. Yeah. You know, if you think about it, Neil, though, it's possible that this could backfire on the Democrats and create almost a sense of sympathy for Donald Trump going into 2024. You just have to wonder with swing voters, is there a point where they say, okay, come on, this is this is a little bit crazy. They impeached him for uh, they impeached him for a phone call with Vladimir Zelensky. They ran this January 6th hearing and it was one-sided. They didn't even allow a defense. They raided his home. The FBI did and rummaged through the underwear drawer of the former first lady of the United States. And now suddenly they're they're doing this. They're they're releasing his tax. You do have to wonder, Neil, might there be some independent swing voters out there that end up almost rallying behind Donald Trump and saying this isn't right and might the Democrats shoot themselves in the foot? Or do you think that, no, Democrats are going to get what they want out of this and it just pushes Trump down that much farther? 
Well, I'd like to think that that kind of thing could happen, but then I'm thinking about some of the late night talk hosts that have gone out on the street and asked people simple questions about American history. I mean, the reality is that you have to be somewhat politically savvy. You have to be in touch with real real news to understand the nuances of what's going on. I mean, I, I think I did mention this recently on one of the podcasts, the idea that the, the mainstream media has been relentless in uh, continuing to say that the January 6th committee has arrived at a decision that Donald Trump needs to be criminally charged, and then they named the four charges. Uh, I think right now, if you stop the average citizen on the street and you say, what does all this mean? You say, Donald Trump has been charged with a crime, or Donald Trump will be charged with a crime, and neither one of those statements are technically true. Everything has to do with what the Justice Department decides to do about it, but I just think that we've been kind of, you know, lulled into some kind of fantasy land where we think that everything we hear in the media is true. And that's the goal. Just create an image, just create an impression. And the impression is true then, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's kind of how right. social media works. So I, yeah. I would like to think that there'd be uh, some kind of a, a backswing of some kind and people would go, wait a second, this is wrong. And, and so we don't want to, you know, support this kind of thing. So we're going to move over to the conservative side of the aisle. But I, I doubt it because I don't think people really want to take the time to think it through. Yeah, you know, and you're right. And your average person on the street, they are so clueless about history. They're not informed. They think Ringo's one of the four Gospels. So I, it just, <laughs> you're right. They really, they really are clueless in many different areas. Roger, let me ask you, as we talk about 2022, and I'm curious to get your take on, on how big 2022 was as far as certain areas politically go and certainly culturally on top of this. And you know what? One of the things that stands out to me for this last year are the the increased assaults on religious freedoms. I mean, I think about Christians and Christian-owned businesses and Christian business owners who have been forced to violate their beliefs to, by making gay wedding cakes or gay web designs or things like that, and the battles that have been going in the Supreme Court. And then, of course, now we see the Democrats pushing even harder to try to force stuff like that on uh, on on people, on businesses. We, we, we now know that uh, we, we've already seen the Democrats push with this so-called uh, th this marriage act, this um, – um, drawn a blank, but the uh, uh, it's not the freedom for marriage, a freedom of marriage, a respect for marriage, respect act. for marriage, yeah, yeah, respect for marriage act, Roger, that can now force Christian-owned businesses and Christian-run charities to to have to violate their beliefs. This is this is a really chilling thing that that is being established in America even more so. And I would say in the year of 2022, it kind of put it on steroids. I'm, I'm just saying thank the Lord for organizations like uh, ADF. Right. Alliance Defending Freedom. You mentioned that one case about uh, the, the, the Respect for Marriage Act. And I think of the 303 creative case that was just argued uh, by Alliance Defending Freedom in front of the Supreme Court early in December. Uh, the case where Lori Smith, you know, has this graphic design firm. She makes websites for people. She wants to get into this whole uh, avenue, this new lane of revenue of setting up wedding websites. Lisa and I had one put together when we were getting married because which is just about three years ago coming up, uh, you know, right here at the end of the year. And it was nice to have a place where this kind of your hub for where everyone, you know, 
decides who they're going to come or not. You can they can see what's happening in the wedding uh, details and everything. And as Lori wants to do that, she says, oh, wait a minute, though, I'm not going to design them for, quote unquote, same sex weddings and things like that. And here come the the human rights commissions and here come the, you know, the the woke leftists saying, oh, no, you have to, you know, you have to do this. And so this is being argued. I mean, it was argued before this before the Supreme Court. We anticipate a really good result because Alliance Defending Freedom has such a great track record. I mean, mm-hmm. working with the Supreme Court, 18 victories uh, over the past. A decade or so, they win 80% of their cases. And for anybody, if you're a small business owner, I mean, all of us are small business owners, the four of us here. I mean, and a lot of our bottom line, our National Crawford Roundtable Show uh, podcast listeners are small business owners. And when you think about the, the, the NCR audience and the influence that we have in the small business community, what did we wind up facing this type of attack because somebody looks at your website and says, wait, there's something on, you're not servicing this. And next thing you know, you need an attorney. That's why we encourage your support of Alliance Defending Freedom. They are the oldest religious liberty uh, defense organization in the United States, if not the world. And right now is a perfect opportunity here at the end of the year, as you're considering your year in tax deductible donations to nonprofit organizations, go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. We have a banner right there for Alliance Defending Freedom, CrawfordMediaGroup.net, and make your best donation online because your $100, $250, people like Lori Smith are not fighting this alone. I mean, obviously, Alliance Defending Freedom is helping, but obviously, they, it would cost millions of dollars in some cases, if not hundreds of thousands, to mount your own legal defense. And Alliance Defending Freedom does not charge their clients. They rely on donations from listeners like National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. So I encourage you to go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the banner and make a great donation, a a large one, maybe even $1,000 or $500 to Alliance Defending Freedom. Or you can call 877-367-6461 to donate. But Bob, that's an excellent point. I mean, religious liberty is under attack. And thank the Lord for Alliance Defending Freedom for standing in the gap for people like us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, it's, it is scary to think about what, uh, what is happening in America and the persecution that's going to just be increasing more and more for Christians. We do need groups like ADF fighting for us. Uh, John, let me ask you, John Rush rushed to reason out of Denver, Colorado. So then looking back on 2022, we kind of talked about the political and we talked about a little bit of the the cultural. I know in the second half, we're going to talk about the spiritual and the aspect of the church and such, but uh, anything else come to mind for you, John, looking back on 2022 to go, wow, I can't believe that's what happened this year. I think the election results of, of this year uh, were a surprise, maybe not to all, but I think to some of us, they were. I mean, I think the GOP had a really solid chance of doing some things and moving the needle, the needle even a little bit farther than what, than what it did. And because of a, an array, in, in my opinion, array of missteps, which hopefully we've learned from and we can move forward and do better. But uh, honestly, guys, I just feel like this is a huge misstep for us this past year. We had a golden opportunity given the economic situation of where we're at and so on. And at the end of the day, Honestly, we blew it. Hey, let me ask you, John, also, big uh, 2022 story, of course, is social media, big tech, censorship, Twitter, of course, yeah, and Musk. Elon Musk taking over Twitter. And now Elon Musk says he's looking for a new CEO because he put a vote out to, mm-hmm. uh, to uh, Twitter followers saying, hey, do you want me to step down or not? I'll abide by your decision. 57, I think it was 57% said, yep, step down. Uh, personally, John, I think that 
he was looking for an escape route here. I don't think he wanted to do the day-to-day CEO operations of Twitter. He's still got Tesla and everything else to run. And my best guess is he bought it. He wanted to get out. He couldn't really get out. Okay, I'm locked into it now. Let me at least change the structure somewhat, drain the swamp of Twitter mm-hmm. a little bit. And then I want to hand the reins of day-to-day operations off to somebody else. And this vote is just an excuse to do that. He had to know that there were still disproportionate liberals in Twitter that would vote him out. So uh, I, I think he's just... He wanted to get out of Twitter's CEO Agreed. position, and he just needed to come up with an excuse to do it and a way to make it look like he's being an honorable person by obeying the will of the the Twitter followers. But what do you think about him handing it off, and is that going to change anything? Is Twitter suddenly no. going to go back to conservative censorship no. then, or can he control that from a chairmanship? He can control that in the fact that he owns it. So the bottom line is this was all planned. He is very good at playing the role that he needs to play. He played the left in this regard because, yes, to your point, he knew there would be a certain amount of people that – I mean, I saw the same poll, but I didn't vote because I I don't care. I mean, at the end of the day, guys like us don't care. He knows those that really – you know, are, are vocal on there, are going to vote and do what they do. And this is just a, what these p- folks don't understand is this is him playing them and they don't understand that. Nobody in his position, myself included, would buy Twitter without having a plan to have a CEO right. come in and run the day-to-day operations. I don't run the day-to-day operations of my business and I'm not Twitter. Why would he? Right, exactly. And that's, you know what, you're so right, John. People don't realize that he's playing them. In he this played case. them big time. I look. I totally agree. When I saw him put that out, I was like, I, I was wondering how long it was going to take for him to uh, wash his hands the day to day operation CEO role in this company. And so here's how he's doing it. It's amazing how many people are falling for it. But uh, you kind of wonder then: is he really going to get the credit that he wants for this? Are people really going to go, "Wow, what an honorable person"? He's willing to to, to obey he the care. will of the people. He doesn't uh, yeah, care. He probably, he probably. I doesn't. mean, if you look at his history, I didn't know this until this past week. But if you look at the history of Elon Musk and how he grew up, abusive father, abusive you know relationship there, came right. to America with literally nothing to close on his back. I mean, if you look back at his history and what he's done in that regard, which I have respect for him in that area. I'm not a fan of his, but I have respect for him in that in that way. And bottom line, he doesn't care, guys. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I tell you what, it's. Uh, it's interesting to see. We know we're coming up on the second half of the podcast. We'll get some final thoughts, maybe on the Twitter thing uh, from Neil and Roger in just a few minutes. And then we'll start talking about 2022 in the body of Christ, in the church, from a spiritual perspective, Christian perspective. What uh, what was 2022 and what does maybe 2023 hold? So there's a lot more to talk about in the second half of this podcast. I do want to ask all of you one more time, though. Please give to Preborn if you haven't already. Go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the Preborn tab. All right, CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn. If you can give $280, that will save 10 babies' lives. That will stop 10 abortions. This is what Preborn does, everybody. So go now, and you can also call 833-850-BABY. The second half is coming up next. Don't forget, you can listen to the second half online at CrawfordMediaGroup.net or wherever you listen to your podcast. Second half next. This has been a Crawford Media Group production. Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with Roger Marsh of The Bottom Line, People's Republic of California, Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado, myself, Bob Duco, Bob Duco Show out of Detroit, kind of doing an end-of-the-year 2022 
recap. We've talked politics, a little bit of culture here. Final thing on Twitter, because that's a big 2022 story also. Uh, Neil, what's your take on Twitter? How much on your radar screen is this? Elon Musk taking over Twitter. Now he's looking for a way to get out of running it. And, of course, what we now know regarding the Twitter files and the FBI, the government, the deep state, if you will, uh, working with Twitter to engage in censorship, using them as proxies to stifle free speech in this country. To me, this is some seriously scandalous stuff that Twitter's been front and center on. Yeah, and it's deeply troubling and it should be for all Americans. I mean, the reality that federal law enforcement agencies can be coerced into partnerships with political parties and, and uh, you know, side with uh, multimillionaires and that kind of thing is incredibly troubling. So I, I think that there needs to be a full-scale investigation. And who knows, maybe down the road, that kind of thing could happen. Uh, by the way, uh, the 57% vote that said that... Uh, Musk should step aside. Stacey Abrams is contesting the results of that vote. And um, so, no, but he should just not concede. He should channel his inner Stacey Abrams and say, yeah. I really won. You know, but this exactly, you know, this actual this thing about the FBI um, and partnership with, I guess, their political allies, the Democratic Party at, uh, at in the, the way that you're describing it is deeply troubling because i'm here in buffalo new york there was a firebombing of a clinic here uh the compass care clinic in buffalo a, mm -hmm. a pro-life clinic there's been about a hundred clinics firebombed and no arrests whatsoever you telling me that law enforcement including the fbi has been in, unable to track any of these people down including the fact that they have video of the people that you know that actually carried this out who's pulling the strings here to cause them to back off and not pursue these investigations, not make any arrests. I mean, so you're seeing it like not only on a national level, as you're describing with information censorship leading up to elections and swinging whole elections based upon the corruption uh, of our federal government and the FBI. Now you're seeing it at a local level. It's pervasive and it's got to stop. And I think the American people need to be made aware of that. So hopefully, um, as this stuff comes out and Twitter gets cleaned up, if Musk makes good on his promises, maybe some of this will begin to turn around when real information gets to people. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. I suppose. What do you think? Uh, what do you think, Roger, about the whole Twitter thing? Everything about not just Elon Musk and that factor, but the but Twitter colluding in essence with the FBI to serve as the government's proxy to engage in election meddling and free speech suppression. Should have Roger, or we may have a, a technical glitch with Roger's connection here. So uh, we're going to try to get that taken care of in just a uh, in just a little bit. But in the meantime, let's go ahead and, and shift this discussion now, though, if we could, to the church, uh, the body of Christ. What what are the big stories in the body of Christ uh, here in America, and for that matter, maybe around the world? And Neil, if we could start with you also, you know, you're not only a talk show host, but you're a pastor as well. And so kind of curious to get your take. What is the, you know, the president gives a State of the Union address every year. What is the State of the Church address and takeaway, would you think, for 2022? 
Well, I think it probably looks different depending on who you ask. Um, I think we should consult Jesus on this one, but he's the one who mm -hmm. said, you know, why do you worry about the speck that's in your brother's eye and don't look at the log that's in your own? I, I, I'm concerned about a number of things. Oh, by the way, it, eternally optimistic because Jesus Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He does rule on his throne and one day all things that and all things that are wrong right now will be made right so don't get me wrong i'm not being pessimistic about this but i think it's time to really take a look at the state of christianity in north america i mean uh, we have every benefit here we have multiple television sets and handheld devices and podcasts and blogs and we've got everything uh, made available to us for us to be able to study the Word of God. And there's more biblical illiteracy in America than at any other point, I think, in history, at least since the founding of our nation. Then you look at, um, you know, the fact that revivals are breaking out in persecuted countries. But here, where we enjoy relative, I'll say relative, religious freedom, um, there's lukewarmness. So I'm concerned about that. And I, I think, honestly, it's time for a good house cleaning. We're beginning to see it. We saw it with, uh, you know, the report of what happened in the Catholic Church with the clergy abuse scandal. But now you're beginning to see some of that with uh, the Southern Baptist Convention. And they recently published a list of perpetrators, people who had been abusing children in the Southern Baptist Convention. I'm not picking on them. I'm saying it's time to come clean. It's time to to deal with the log that's in our own eye. And, you know, I don't know that I agree with the process they went through, but kudos to them for it finally acknowledging that it isn't just a Catholic thing, it's a Protestant thing. In fact, it's a people thing. So I'm not trying to throw stones at the church. I love the church. Uh, we're the bride of Christ. And, and yet we need to be open and honest and humble enough to say, Lord Jesus, clean us up, get us ready for the great wedding feast one day when we see you face to face. Yeah, well, that much is very true. John, you're, uh, well, first of all, let me see, do we have, uh, are we connected with Roger again? I know we Yes, were... I'm here. Yes, okay. I'm here. <laughs> okay, that's great, Roger. Uh, I'd love to get your take on the, the state of the church from 2022. And I, I know that Christians have been under a lot of battle, a lot of persecution. There's no doubt we were talking about ADF earlier and how important that is. But uh, there are also, I think, some checkups that we need to do. Yes, we need ADF fighting for us, but we also need to look in the mirror and recognize, hey, here's where the body of Christ is kind of losing our saltiness. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting to see how the reports are, are showing that post-pandemic, the sizes of churches are getting smaller. And I think that's actually a good thing, whether it's the local congregation. I think Tom Rayner at churchanswers.com calls it now the quote-unquote standard church size. 92% of American churches are 250 or, or fewer. And the, there are still mega churches, but where they fact, factor into this is the uh, the number of satellite campuses that are happening. I think the church is getting small, bigger by getting smaller. And what that smaller does is it brings more accountability. It, it really does give us the opportunity to stop saying, okay, well, uh, mega church XYZ down the street is doing all these big fancy things, so we have to do the same thing too. It gives us a lot more opportunity for accountability. The question is, will we, the people, we, the congregation, actually step up? You know, and, and to, to Neil's point about biblical illiteracy and the, the fact that there are a lot of pastors who, quite frankly, I don't want to say are phoning it in, but... I, I've seen a lot of pastors retire over the past couple of years, either because of health reasons or just because COVID was a big challenge. And I welcome that. I really do applaud it. I mean, the the fact that the, the, the church, I think, in the U.S. for the last maybe two, three decades has kind of been seen as a career path rather than as a calling. 
And it really is a calling. Neil can attest to this, and I can too. We're going to mm-hmm. see more bivocational pastors, more co-vocational pastors who are, are pastoring and working a job or maybe pastoring and not taking a salary because the church is that small. But to stay nimble, to respond to the needs of the community, and to be prepared, as you mentioned, uh, Bob, with the, uh, the the situation with an organization like Alliance Defending Freedom, to be on the ready to know that if your church had always been, like we've talked about in weeks past, one of those churches that has a beautiful sanctuary, beautiful church grounds, and maybe a full-time wedding coordinator, because that's a source of income for the church, watch out, because the left is going to try to exploit that. They're going to try to you know, take advantage of that. And this is going to be the rubber meets the road thing for a lot of people. I mean, we we all know people who have uh, friends of ours, colleagues of ours who have an adult child who's in a same-sex relationship, for example. And and what happens when they say, hey, yeah, my dad's friend is over at that church and we want to get married here. And what are we going to do with that? You know, there there has to be a way to lovingly but graciously uh, stand for biblical truth and to know what biblical truth is. And so I, I think the, the the problems that we saw come to surface in 2022 become the challenges and opportunities for 2023. And, right. and I, for one, am actually encouraged by that. Well, you know, that's that, that's a good thing. And we're going to talk about 2023 as well coming up in a little bit. I'm going to move over to John in just a moment. But before we do, just want to remind everybody we are coming up on the end of 2022. And I want to give everybody listening right now a great idea for a tax write-off for you at the end of this year. Would you give some money right now to preborn to stop abortions, to save babies' lives? Remember, preborn is a pro-life ministry. For a long time, they've partnered with pro-life centers all across the country, and they show ultrasound images of unborn babies to expectant moms. And as I've told you many times, when a woman sees an ultrasound image of her baby, she chooses life statistically 83% of the time. So you show that ultrasound image, you're stopping an abortion, everybody, but it takes money to do this. $28 is the average cost to stop one abortion, to save one baby's life. And that's why we're asking you to give $280 one time to stop 10 abortions. Would you do that right now? And maybe God has blessed you enough that you could do $2,800 and stop 100 abortions. I don't know what you can afford, but I do know that These are children that are slated to be butchered inside the womb, and you can be responsible for saving their lives. It literally is that simple, folks. And we also need to ask of you at this end of the year, are there some of you out there that have been financially blessed by God? Maybe you run a business and you could buy an ultrasound machine for preborn. An ultrasound machine costs $15,000. Now, every dime of what you give goes to the ultrasound machine, not a penny for overhead. What a great tax write-off this would be for you, but also what a great legacy because you or your business or your family would now be responsible for stopping thousands upon thousands of abortions. Think about that. Thousands of babies' lives saved because of your $15,000 buying that ultrasound machine. So can you do that right now? And for the rest of everybody else, $280 to stop 10 abortions. What do you say, huh? Here's what you do. Go online right now to crawfordmediagroup.net. That's crawfordmediagroup.net, and you can click on preborn and give right there, okay? Uh, if you want to donate over the phone, go ahead and call them right now, 833-850-BABY, and they answer the phones 24-7. So you can call right now, 833-850-BABY. And don't forget, this is the same preborn that through 2022 is on pace to have in the neighborhood of 
1,000 abortions stopped through preborn. And along the way, in the neighborhood of 10,000 first-time decisions for Jesus Christ among these moms. That's where your money's going, folks. It's preborn. So we appreciate you doing that. 833-850-BABY. As we continue this National Crawford Roundtable podcast, talking about 2022, the state of the church. John Rush, Rush Reason out of Denver, Colorado. You know, John, uh, we're not pastors. Neil and Roger are pastors. You and me, we're just a couple of laymen trying to get through. But right. uh, but, but, what is your take on on the church, on the body of Christ, and looking back on 2022? I think, uh, and, and I appreciate all of what Roger and Neil both said, their pastors are closer to this, of course, than than you and I are, but but I think the church has some challenges. Can they overcome those? Yes, with you know proper participation, leadership, knowledge, all the things that even Neil and Roger both talked about. You know, it, you know is there some optimism? I hope so. And, and ultimately, I know in the end, you know, to Neil's point, you know, we win, and that's that's the most important part of it. But, you know, in the meantime, the church has a huge, grave responsibility for, you know, all of mankind. And I hope, I hope they're willing, and pray, by the way, to step up and handle that call. Unfortunately, the last several years, guys, we haven't. We blew it through COVID. I think most churches blew it. They stayed shut mm-hmm. down when they shouldn't have. They should have. They should have told the government to pound sand and stayed open. You know, we we missed an opportunity to have a huge impact on culture, and I think we're now paying the price for that, Bob. Right. Yeah. I tell you what, I could not agree more. And this, to me, is one of my big concerns with with the church for this last year in 2022. We, we've been watching the church be influenced by culture instead of influencing the culture. We, we are losing our saltiness. We're, we're, we're not having, we're, we're taking on the flavor of our surroundings. We're not supposed to do that. Now, Jesus told us it was going to be like this in the end. And so, yeah, I get that. But uh, we need to, I believe as believers, we need to look in the mirror and say, wait a second here. Am I am I taking on the, the, the nature and the flavor of society around me or Am I am I bringing the society and culture around me to the truth of Jesus Christ? Problem is, we're so watering down what we believe. We want to fit in with society. We want to fit in with culture. We want to blend in. We don't want to have a contrast. And it's like, wait a minute, the world around us is turning into Sodom and Gomorrah. Why do we want to blend in with that? All right, I want to stand out like a sore thumb in this culture. And so, unfortunately, I think the church has gotten extremely narcissistic. We're so much in the, it's all about me, my life, my happiness. God's job is to serve me and to keep me happy. And so everything is about me. Uh, that's what the world is today. And I would argue the church is going down that same road. Mm. We are stinking when it comes to standing on the authority of Scripture and God's Word, uh, standing on truths that are uncomfortable. Like, for example, basic doctrines, this poll that came out in 2022 showing that on average 35% of senior pastors say you don't really have to accept Jesus to go to heaven. If you're a good enough person, you can earn heaven. We're talking about over a third of senior pastors in this country. And then, of course, the growth of the LGBT and transgenderism and gender confusion and the growing number of churches that are buying into that. We just saw recently uh, Amy Grant 
uh, unfortunately planning on holding a lesbian wedding for her niece and her property, saying that they're celebrating this. And there are just so many Christians and churches and entire denominations that are buying into worldliness and sin. And there's got to come a point where we have to be the watchman on the wall. And even if it we get whittled down to a remnant where we're just the, the last oak tree standing in a tornado that refuses to bend, there's got to be some of us that are willing to stand on the authority of Scripture and not cave into the flavor of the world around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, to me, is my big troubling aspect of what I'm saying. I'm watching the church kind of crumble before our very eyes and take on the identity of the world around it. And it's really it's really a shame. It's really unfortunate. And I, I kind of want to toss it over to Roger. Look, Roger, you're a pastor, Roger Marsh. Uh, some of your thoughts on this, what's happening in the church right now, and also what I said before, because it goes both ways. On one hand, we need to be defended. We, we are being persecuted and we need to fight back and thank the Lord for groups like Alliance Defending Freedom. But at the same time, we also need to recognize we have to stand for something, and that's standing for the truth of what God's Word says, no matter what the world around us says. Absolutely. And I, I know that's one of the reasons why we enjoy our partnership with Alliance Defending Freedom, for just that reason. The fact that when a, a biblical truth is challenged, and we have not only the uh, the constitutional backing of you know our, our nation's founders to say, hey, this is something that's perfectly legal here, we know it's morally right. And that's, I think, part of the reason why Alliance Defending Freedom has had such great success in defending organizations, defending individuals in courts of law, from the lower appellate courts all the way up to the Supreme Court. I think about the the recent legal action that they're taking against the Food and Drug Administration, asking the question, well, during the pandemic, that were, there were a lot of uh, so-called cures that were poo-pooed and issued by the CDC and the FDA, saying that, the, well, this was authorized for one use, but it's not authorized for something else. Alliance Defender Freedom dug in and said, hey, wait a minute, these abortion pills, these medical pills that you've been prescribing to young women so they can have a so-called medical abortion at home, they're not licensed for that. They've been tested for something else, but you're using them for that. You've been doing so for 20 years. We're going to stand up now for what is right. And they filed a lawsuit against the FDA. That's the kind of work that Alliance Defending Freedom does. And that's the kind of uh, Christian muscle, if you, if you will, the muscular Christianity that we need in the culture. And that's I know that's why we encourage our National Crawford Roundtable podcast listeners and viewers uh, to go to crawfordmediagroup.net and hit the Alliance Defending Freedom banner and make sure that you make a donation here before the end of the year. So you benefit on your taxes this year, of course, uh, unless you get audited like Donald Trump and then yeah. the, the past returns get released. And that's a whole different story. But go to Alliance Defending Freedom's website. You can go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net and make a donation because these are freedoms that are beginning to be eroded away. And not that the church can't survive without the law, but when we do have the opportunity to stand before court, when we do have the opportunity to let our light so shine before others, guys, I think this kind of harkens back to what we were talking about, about the church and being an effective witness is to say, hey, look, you know, we know these men and women of faith who are uh, Kristen Wagner and her whole team at Alliance Defending Freedom, when they're standing there representing the law and the rule of law, they're also doing so from a, a biblical worldview that says, hey, this is not only good law, but this is also what God says. This is the, the law that we all know has been written on our hearts. And so it, it's just a reminder. I mean, that the, the, the passage we've been uh, talking about, you know, the salt losing its saltiness, it's very interesting how Jesus uses that in the Sermon on the Mount, because the reality is, you know, he says, you know, you're the salt of the world, but if salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing but to be thrown out. And that 
references to something anybody would have understood in Jesus' day, which is they used it for roads and they used it for, you know, it, it, it would still have a purpose, but that's not the purpose for which it was intended. And in its natural form, uh, sodium chloride doesn't lose its flavor. It really doesn't. So if for some reason, the salt has lost its flavor. It's not the salt's fault. It's the way it's been used or where it's been put or where it winds up. So the, the reality is, all of us as Christians become very salty people in that respect, but mm -hmm. I think it's time to let our light so shine and our salt so season and preserve the culture uh, that we literally drive people to ask the question, wow, well, how are they doing this? You know, I mean, the, the Amy Grant story, Bob, it's just it's heartbreaking to me yeah. because I think Amy's been such a huge influence in the church for such a long time. And I know there are a lot of people in the LGBT community who like her music, but for her to basically say, I'm going to affirm that right now. I don't basically that to me sounds like the salt getting thrown out of the kitchen and into the roadway and it's just going to get trampled over. Yeah, so true. Neil, uh, Neil Boron, uh, your thoughts about 2023 uh, going forward. Are, are, do you tend to be optimistic going forward, pessimistic going forward? I, it, it's kind of strange because for me, Neil, I, I kind of feel a mix of both. For, if my hope was in this world, I'd be feeling extremely pessimistic because things are just going down and down. But there's a part of me that feels very optimistic and encouraged because as the world collapses around us, it almost seems like we're going to see more of that separating of the wheat and the tares. We're going to see more of that sense of who are the true Christians, who are the ones that are really, truly committed to Jesus Christ and trusting in the authority of Scripture that we may be sifted to a remnant, but it seems like there will be at least some some clarity that can be established going forward. And maybe just maybe, it might be a smaller number of people, but that smaller number of people are really going to be that much more committed to the Lord as we await his return. So maybe that's a, know, the worse the world gets, the more I become heavenly minded, less earthly minded and focus more and trust more in the Lord. So I guess I'm thinking that's a good thing, at least for those that are serious about their faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, I agree. And I know that we talked recently, you know, about something similar to this. So, you know, let me just mention again, sometimes people freak out when they hear about, you know, retinal scanning or, uh, you know, new digital technology that allows people to be identified a certain way or whatever. And everybody says, oh, this is, you know, the, the Antichrist is coming. Well, the Antichrist is coming, according to Scripture. Right. If we believe that's true, there's going to be a revealing of this individual who's going to bring about world peace and everything. I'm not going to get into Bible prophecy or anything, but let me just say, um, a lot of people get terrified about those realities. And it looks like the walls are closing in around us. And we see persecution on the rise. We see people being silenced because they're... They're willing to speak out about their deeply held beliefs, biblical beliefs. That stuff is going to happen. And yet we know ultimately that our victory is in Jesus Christ. So I think that we need to be conscientious to, to do and be the very things that God has asked us to do and be. And that is, you know, to live openly and honestly. What I mean is transparently. Uh, we need the grace of God every single day, not just for our salvation. Paul said in Galatians 3.3, 3, are you so foolish? Haven't begun in the spirit. Will you now be perfected by the flesh? No, we need the same grace of God that saved us to sanctify us. And that means being willing to, to sometimes 
admit our wrongs, but be right in doing it. Like the, sometimes the right thing to do is to say, look, we've made a mistake here, or we, we uh, ascribed too much attention to political values as opposed to doing the work of the kingdom, or you know, being openly and honestly loving and caring for other people, but letting them know that we also are dependent on Christ, humbling ourselves so that he can exalt us at the proper time, not trying to win every challenge here on planet Earth, but recognize that sometimes you know, even when it looks like we're defeated, I mean, we serve the God of the resurrection. So uh, it, it can get really bad, and we still will reign triumphantly with Christ. So um, bottom line is, I just think the church needs to be the church. Let's get back to doing the very things he told us to do, to preach the gospel to the nations, to make disciples, and to, and to begin in our own homes, not just, mm -hmm. you know, on national television or in public debates or here on a national podcast, but right. to live this way consistently and to live openly and honestly, understanding our need for Christ and then being able to share the love of God with other people because he's poured it into us first. John, we got about 30 seconds left. John Rush, what's your take on 2023? You feeling optimistic, pessimistic? How do you look at the new year? I think it's going to be very much the same as what we had this last year. I hate to say that. I think that's true politically. I think it's true spiritually. I hate to say this, but this is just going to be kind of an average year, very much like we just had. That's my prediction. Yeah, well, you, know what? You, you, you may be right. You may be right. Uh, but it's all that much more reason for us to uh, trust in the Lord Precisely. that much more going forward. Absolutely. Amen. So, Amen. But we just want to say, folks, that uh, we are so thankful for you folks, for you listeners, for everything that you've done. We appreciate your support for Alliance Defending Freedom. Keep on doing that. We appreciate your support for Preborn. Keep on doing that. One more reminder. Uh, Go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net right now and click on the Preborn tab and go ahead and give whatever you can to Preborn. Because remember, this stops abortions. This saves babies' lives. $280 will stop 10 abortions. Would you give that $280 right now? Every dime of what you give, don't forget, goes to funding ultrasound images. That's how the baby's lives are saved because moms choose life when they see images of their baby. Uh, every dime goes that not a penny for overhead. So would you do that now? CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on the preborn tab. You can also give over the phone by going by calling 833-850-BABY. And they answer the phones 24-7. So 833-850-BABY. Uh, we appreciate all of you folks listening, of course. And we look forward to a new year, 2023, with all of you. You can listen to previous episodes of this podcast at crawfordmediagroup.net or apple podcast stitcher tune in wherever you listen to your podcast you can also watch video of it at myhopenow.com and john rush roger marsh neil boron myself bob duco guys great catching up with you talk to you well next year all right you too bob advice. thank you all right we'll see you. thanks for listening everybody happy new year to you god bless you've been listening to the national crawford roundtable podcast a view of today's culture through a biblical lens brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to donate to save babies now. And by Alliance Defending Freedom, defending the First Amendment rights of free speech and religious liberty. Your generous financial support makes it possible for Alliance Defending Freedom to defend religious liberty, the sanctity of human life, freedom of speech, and marriage and family in America and around the world. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the ADF logo to give your financial support. You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more from your local Crawford Media Group station or at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And you can watch video of the podcast at MyHopeNow.com.
Please give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app and look for the notification on your app for when the next weekly edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is ready for you to download. This has been a Crawford Media Group production.